Unbound Theatre presents The Chronicles of Professor Chronomier From the Depths Written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson Chapter 2. The Enforcers Oscar stepped out into the chilly morning air. The ancient doorman of the hotel saluted, and he offered a polite nod in return, before pulling his gloves a little tighter and beginning his journey, a dandified figure against the grey winter's day. Ahead lay a day of rehearsals for his latest work. Soon the opening night would be upon him, along with the inevitable glittering reception filled with champagne and congratulatory praise. It would be a milestone in his career, and yet, sitting uneasily in his throat, there was a stirring of uneasiness. It might have been guilt. It might have been fear. But it did not matter, for he was needed. He had a job to do. Striding through the metropolis in his sumptuous three-piece suit and holding a dapper walking cane, Oscar Wilde was a sight to behold. In an abandoned factory across the city, the Professor and Astrid were seated in a run-down office before a desk. Two men stood guarding them. They were no longer aiming futuristic firearms at their prisoners, but held the weapons ready in case of an ill-advised escape attempt. Astrid glared at the guard closest to her, daring him to a staring contest. The Professor regarded the desk, noting a series of technological marvels sitting atop it. Most were sheets of glass affixed to slim metallic boxes, power generators, she fancied, able to project something onto the glass. Though a native of the 1800s, the professor had encountered all manner of future technologies and prided herself on learning their operation and applications quickly. A door behind them was pushed open, and the guard stood to attention. Astrid craned round to see who had entered, but the professor waited calmly until they stepped behind the desk. She was a tall woman, with a sharp face and a bob of blonde hair. The weight of military high command hung about her as she dropped into a chair and nodded wearily at her troops that they could stand at ease. The woman regarded the professor with a furrowed brow, scrutinising her face as though there was something familiar about it. The professor returned the gaze with a simple smile. "'Quite the effort you've gone through,' the professor said warmly, "'just to have a good old stare.' I could leave you a photograph if you like, then Astrid and I could be on our way. No need, Professor Cronomier, the woman replied in a cracked voice. The professor's eyes widened at hearing her name. Astrid stiffened in her chair, feeling some kind of attack was imminent. Moving as little as she could, she assessed the room for means of both defence and escape. She noted a curious short-bladed dagger on the desk. Its crossguard was curiously curved in effect creating two smaller knife edges either side of the central blade. She favoured her chances of grabbing it before the woman behind the desk. The professor tried to remain conversational. And to think I had such an eloquent introduction all planned out, she smiled. How came you by my name, good lady? 
The woman smirked. Commander Berwick, she offered. Commander, the professor said with a nod of respect. The commander glanced over at Astrid. Don't expect any of that from me, lady, Astrid said in a flat tone. The guards behind her shuffled momentarily until a smile spread across Berwick's lips. She gave a low chuckle and tapped one of the glass panes on her desk. In a moment, a grid of green lines appeared, the outline of a keyboard. With a few taps, a larger screen standing upright in a metal stand began to activate. Berwick turned it so that the Professor and Astrid could read it. "'Your actions precede you, Professor,' she said matter-of-factly. The Professor watched as an all-too-familiar image appeared. It was the face of a suave but sinister man she had met some time ago. "'Editor Revelle,' the Professor muttered darkly. Not long after she had begun her travels in time, she and Astrid had been caught in the machinations of a man determined to rewrite history. His attempts to alter the life of Jane Austen had been thwarted, and the Professor had left him, she presumed, for dead. She looked up at Berwick. "'If he's a friend of yours, you'll be waiting some time for an apology.' "'Our records indicate you were responsible for the failure of the operation Editor Ravel was overseeing shortly before his disappearance.' "'Disappearance?' the Professor queried, with a lump rising in her throat. Berwick caught her concern. "'Missing, presumed dead. "'You didn't leave much in the way of evidence for us to investigate.' The Professor recalled the final moment she had spent in what Ravel had called a nexus suite, a facility that had allowed him to warp and replicate reality a hundred times over for his own ends. The nexus he had created around Jane's life had disintegrated, taking the suite, and Ravel, it seemed, with it. "'By investigate, I take it you are some form of police force?' asked the Professor, wishing to move on from Ravel. "'Indeed we are,' Berwick replied. "'We are the enforcers. Temporal constabulary, if you like. Editors such as Ravel are something of a hobby for us.' The Professor recalled that Ravel had spoken of an agency of like-minded tamperers, treating history as a stock market to be manipulated for financial gain. She had vowed before leaving him to his fate that she would dismantle the agency in return for his meddling. A pang of guilt rose in her stomach that she had not been true to her word. She swallowed the memories once again and looked Berwick in the eye. "'I would be happy to pass on any information which might be relevant to your investigation, though, if I say so myself,' Jane's timeline was set back on course rather neatly after the matter was concluded. Indeed it was, said Berwick, leaning back in her chair. So neatly we closed the file some time ago. Then to what end are Astrid and I of use to you today, Commander? asked the Professor. I would like to know what two unlicensed time travellers are doing in 1895, said Berwick. Unlicensed? Astrid frowned. Give over. Time travel is an extremely dangerous business, young lady, Berwick said in a severe tone. 1895, the professor muttered to herself. Botheration, I was aiming for 1893. Berwick ignored her. The river of time is no place for amateur sailors, continued the commander. Astrid straightened in her chair, but the professor spoke before she had the chance to. I am dreadfully sorry, Commander Berwick. We weren't aiming for this year in particular. Perhaps my ship was drawn off course owing to your own presence. Temporal anomalies seem to have a habit of attracting one another in my experience. Quite, Berwick replied. What, may I ask, brings you and your officers to this time and place? asked the professor. 
Beric gazed at her for a moment, weighing up what to say. She studied her face carefully. She had apprehended too many temple criminals to not know the signs of a troublemaker, and the professor was no meddler. She glanced back at the image of Ravel on screen. Her enforcers had tailed him for decades, without a hint of success. If the professor could bring him down, then surely she could assist with their current mission, before it was too late. She tapped the keyboard, replacing Ravel's image with the blank outline of a man. Editor 6049, Beric recalled. No name or image on file. Since Ravel, they've got rather good at keeping a low profile. We have reason to believe this one is currently at work in 1895. A pilot fish, we suspect. A what? Astrid repeated, clearly lost. An advanced scout, the professor elaborated. Here to pave the way for greater numbers. How great we don't know, Beric continued. But we suspect it may be an extensive operation. Our understanding is that 6049 is here to embed himself in London society. We anticipate his aim is to involve himself and disrupt the upcoming trial. She paused while she changed the image on the screen again, this time to someone the professor and Astrid recognised. Of Oscar Wilde. Trial? gasped Astrid, turning to the professor. You didn't tell me he was a criminal. He wasn't, the professor countered sharply. She calmed herself and looked back at the screen, recalling passages of the book she had been reading no more than an hour ago. It's a long story. One 6049 and his fellow editors mean to rewrite, Beric posited. The professor frowned at the anonymous man on the screen. You mean they want to stop it happening? Quite probably, replied Beric. Well, that's a good thing, Astrid remarked. I mean, if he was innocent, like you say. History cannot be changed, even for the better, Beric said firmly before turning back to the professor. My guess is that they plan to stop the trial and have Oscar rustle up a few more plays. Then, naturally, they'll take the manuscripts, isolate them from the temporal causality and put the correct timeline back in place. After which, there are suddenly all manner of lost wild plays to be sold on the black market and an army of editors living the high life in the 19th century thanks to the prophets. They're coming here for a party, asked Astrid. Come to gloat, the professor pondered. She recalled Ravel's plan to remove Jane Austen's works from history to exploit for his own gain, while positioning himself firmly within the new timeline. So this editor is working through his own nexus? she asked, recalling the tangle of alternate timelines Ravel had manufactured. Criminal methods have moved on a little since Ravel's time, Beric sighed. The current fashion is to interfere directly rather than nurturing an alternate reality to replace the established one. 6049 is here, at work, right now. What's more, we know from a raid that took place on a research facility in the 22nd century that he is in possession of facial replication technology. Is it always tongue twisters and riddles with you lot? Rumbled Astrid. All he needs is to snatch someone off of the streets and the replicator will produce a digital mask he can map over his own appearance. Beric rattled off with mounting frustration. Not for Astrid, but for the hitherto fruitless operation she was leading. It covers vocal modulation too. A complete disguise. So he could be anyone, the professor surmised. You suspect he's trying to get close to Oscar? I'm certain of it, Beric said in a low voice, leaning forward across her desk. He's out there, no. And he knows we're on to him. I've lost too many officers trying to identify him, Professor. We need all the help we can muster to hunt him down before he gets to Oscar.
The professor looked at the shadow on the screen. In the West End of London, Oscar gazed up at St James's Theatre and a coy smile played across his lips. He hesitated for a moment, a lingering sensation pricking the back of his mind. He had felt it not long after leaving the hotel, not the uneasiness that almost made him doubt himself. This was something else. It preyed upon him at a distance as he walked the streets of London and rose within him like an instinct with each corner that he turned. It was not the first time. It had been there for a while now, like a shadow. Sensing the moment was right, he turned quickly on his heel and scanned the opposite side of the street. Somewhere between two buildings came the sound of a packing crate tumbling to the ground, as though upturned by someone scrambling away from the main road. He was being followed. The Chronicles of Professor Chronomier From the Depths An unbound theatre production Written by Dario Knight And performed by Erica Sanderson with music by Kevin McLeod.